the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The answer. WHK Cleveland, a service of Salem Media Group. Broadcasting from the Discount Drug Mart Studios. Proud to be celebrating over 50 years as your hometown pharmacy. WHK Cleveland. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here, we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated. Where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. I just saw the sun out there a little while ago, but it has momentarily disappeared. Well, when the snow fell about a week ago, I think it was, the fields and the lawns, they looked beautiful, like something out of a Christmas card. Well, everything clean and white, but now that part of the winter is disappearing. And while all this has been wonderful, now for a change of pace, I'm starting to look towards the spring. The spring is, uh, you know, we're halfway through the winter. Uh, spring is just a little over a day or two over a month away, away and uh, we should start to see temperatures moving up into the 40s after, you know, maybe another two or three weeks. And now is the time to get start getting into shape with some long walks and some bike rides. Hibernation is almost over now. This is an opportunity to get ready for the real spring so we can be in shape when it finally gets here. And focusing our attention on things closer to home, the uh, Super Bowl is tomorrow, so there'll be a a lot of uh, partying there, and uh, I'm out of the partying picture anymore. That used to be the old days, but uh, now it's more, uh, hey, let's see what's happening there. And Monday, of course, is a big Valentine's Day. So those who have planned or had already are are ready for this special day. And those who didn't, they'll be scrambling like crazy. So, and while we're relaxing, we should uh, start talking and thinking about our financial future. Maybe we should beef up our savings plan or better define our financial goals or how we're going to get to get to them and afford them when we do get to them. Well, 
this week, the U.S. Uh, economy continues to grow in spite of several headwinds. Uh, some have been with us uh, for, a lo- for a long period of time. And other ones are just the ones just appeared the other day. Uh, we've got the COVID uh, Omicron uh, variant. We've got the supply chain disruption. That's continuing, and it's not being resolved as fast as uh, originally uh, estimated. And then we've got increasing inflation, which is uh, continuing to uh, to go up. It hasn't crested yet. And the newcomer, and that is this Russian-Ukraine uh, uh, standoff. And the economy continues to show its strength in terms of increases in manufacturing, and which is now more than the pre-COVID uh, uh, time, and services, which have been recovering, except for, you know, the restaurants and the lodging and the travel. has been a little slow because uh, it really requires people getting out there and uh, uh, taking some chances, which is, that's the way we're going now. Uh, so... Right now, uh, we're, we take a look at the uh, earnings, you know, and uh, for the uh, company, for the fourth quarter earnings results right now. And uh, what we see is that about three quarters of the uh, companies in the standard and poor have reported uh, they've exceeded the revenues and earnings estimates. And uh, according to J.P. Morgan estimates that year over year, Earnings per share growth at 45% and quarter-over-quarter growth of uh, 6.4%. Those are good numbers. And and basically what you're seeing is the the economy is strong. You know, it's it's a testimony to what uh, $6 trillion of uh, federal stimulus will do, plus another uh, $3 trillion of uh, Federal Reserve uh, bond-buying operation uh, that went into the economy and also uh, reduced rates. And, and basically, uh, the companies have re- are recovering and starting to recover. And, and a lot of them have recovered already. And they're just, they're keeping their earnings up by basically focusing on the earnings. That's one of the most important things in management nowadays. And making sure that all the costs, like uh, increased costs, like the wage increases, the raw materials, all these other things, they're just passing it on to the next guy. And then sooner or later, it gets down to us as consumers. And, well, you know, we're taking it pretty well. I mean, we expect prices to go up. We, uh, you know, we complain about it and we don't like inflation. We know what it's doing. But uh, uh, during this uh, um stimulus period when the government was stimulating everything and and then we had the uh, no foreclosures and uh, no uh, payments on the student loans and stuff like that a lot of people caught up you know they 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 got their uh, charges uh, charge accounts in better shape they got their bank accounts in better shape and mainly because the money was coming in and they weren't spending any of it on travel or anything like that. So, uh, and people are buying cars. Um, you know, car prices are up uh, significantly. And when you buy a car, you get, uh, you don't get a car. You get, you get to, 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 I guess you get to figure out where your car is at in the manufacturing process. So even with a strong uh, economy and uh, good earnings, we still have, uh, we still have supply disruption which are taking longer than expected to untangle. But uh, according to the uh, uh, head of, uh, I think it's Maersk or something, Mansk, it's a big uh, uh, Danish uh, shipping company. You know, you see their name on the sides of those container ships. And uh, uh, according to him, uh, after about June, things should dramatically begin to increase. And so we've, we've, That'll be a big thing if we get these uh, supply chains untangled. And we also have this increasing inflation, you know, and just to give you an idea of what we're talking about, and you've all lived through it, so you know what I'm talking about. You know, the the consumer price index 
uh, over a 12-year, a 12-month period. In July, it was 5.4 percent. In August, 5.3. September, 5.4 again. And then it started to really ramp up. October, 6.2 percent. November, 6.8 percent. December, 7 percent. January, the one that was released Thursday, 7.5 percent. So. That January CPI number of 7.5% came out Thursday, and it's causing a hiccup in the in the bond and the stock markets. And that probably because everybody realizes that means that the Federal Reserve will probably be more be more aggressive um, than they originally intended to be. And just to have put a cherry on the top of the whole thing, uh, Friday the major U.S. stock indices uh, took another hit. And uh, because of the tensions uh, surrounding the uh, Russian-Ukraine standoff, and that impacted the stock market and the bond market and oil prices. And, uh, you know, according to the Wall Street Journal, the White House said Friday it believes Russia could invade Ukraine at any time with a major military action and urged Americans to leave the country as soon as possible. In the White House uh, briefing room Friday, uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said that the U.S. wouldn't conduct a military evacuation of citizens from a war zone. He said that Americans, quote, Americans should leave Ukraine on their own in the next 24 to 48 hours while land, rail, and air routes out of the country remain open in the uh, that's been the most uh, pointed directive yet from the White House, and the National Security Advisor continued to go on and said, "Quote: We are in the window where an invasion could begin at any time, should uh, uh, Russian President uh, Vladimir Putin decide to order." Unquote. And then he also said, "I'm not standing here and saying what is going to happen." and not happen, I'm only standing here to say that the risk is now high enough and the threat is immediate enough that prudence demands that uh, it is the time to leave now. So the markets began to move down uh, probably about 1.30, from 1.30 or 2 o'clock Friday, uh, about the time of the announcement. And they, uh, But the White House official said that the U.S. wasn't closing the door on uh, diplomacy and that uh, President Biden, who was at the uh, presidential retreat at Camp David in in Maryland this weekend, was expected to talk to um, uh, Mr. Putin on Saturday. So we'll see what they're talking about later. And then uh, if you go back and you say, okay, uh, on Friday, the Russian-Ukraine standoff together with the continuing concerns about uh, uh, the possibly aggressive uh, Federal Reserve and clamping down on the inflation, uh, both of those things combined to drive the stock market uh, down so that the uh, three major U.S. stock indices closed down on Friday at uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, closed at uh, 34,738.06. And it was down 1% for the week. And the Standard & Poor 500 closed at 4,418.64. And it was down 1.8% for the week. And the NASDAQ closed at 13,791.15. And it was down 2.2% for the week. So uh, later in the show, we're going to talk about uh, the basis of those, uh, the latest CPI numbers, the consumer price index numbers at 7.5%. And uh, we'll also talk about uh, how that's affecting uh, consumer sentiment. And we'll also talk about manufacturing and things of this, of this nature. In the big picture, uh, the stock and bond markets are, are more concerned about the uh, uh, planned aggressive action by the Federal Reserve in the Russian-Ukraine uh, standoff. 
you know, in, in uh, historically, geopolitical events don't have a lasting impact on the market. The markets basically are focused on earnings and the projected rise and fall of those earnings. Uh, lately, the stock market has basically been rotating uh, from the growth and the risk uh, stocks to the value stocks. And the value stocks, uh, those are with uh, companies with solid earnings and uh, earnings histories uh, that will prosper in a uh, growing economy. They appear safer nowadays. So although all markets are down since the start of the year, uh, the, the migration seems to be from the, uh, the uh, growth stocks to the value stocks. For example, if we take a look at the, the three indices, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, basically 30 large companies with solid earnings histories, and they were so far this year, they're down 4.4%. You take a look at the other end of the spectrum, the NASDAQ, and uh, there you have uh, some solid high-tech companies with solid earnings, uh, and the, but you also have a fair share of high-tech companies that have been bleeding cash in order to uh, grow market share. So um, the NASDAQ uh, composite is down 11.9% since the start of the year. And the standard and four or 500, which is basically a, a combination of value as well as growth, that kind of sits in the middle at down 7.3% since the start of the year. And with the coming increase in interest rates, uh, bonds have also been losing. Uh, as the interest rates increase, the value of the, the bonds go down. And uh, that's a, that's a, the, the rule of thumb is that uh, uh, bond prices move down according to uh, uh, the duration of the bond fund. Let's say you've got a bond fund that's uh, intermediate uh, maturity, that's generally uh, maybe seven to twelve, uh, or maybe ten to twelve years, and uh, uh, and that has has maybe a duration of uh, uh, seven or eight, and then uh, the duration uh, of the uh, uh, of the ten-year bond is generally about uh, seven or eight, and if, if the ten-year bond yield increase one percent, then the price change. Uh, will the uh, that bond fund will drop eight uh, percent. So it's another formula, and it's a it's a rule of thumb. It's not a uh, <clears throat> not calculated to significant figures, but you basically look at it and you say that uh, uh, the duration times the uh, change in the uh, interest rate is equal to the uh, basically the loss in the value of those bonds. So in this case, the, for instance, the 10-year bond, uh, that was at 1.5% at the start of the year, and now it's down at about, now it's up at about 2%. And uh, most intermediate bond funds, uh, they have a duration of seven or eight, so that's a, a one half of a percent change. So one half of seven or eight is somewhere between Three and a half and four percent, and that's basically uh, the value that you're seeing on the losses of your intermediate bond funds. So the concern <clears throat> focuses around the, the the real concern. Forget the geopolitical for a minute, and the real concern is that <clears throat> the how the Federal Reserve is going to reduce inflation. Uh, now the Federal Reserve has been has focused on this inflation probably since September, and uh, they've been working this at every uh, federal open market committee meeting uh, since September, right up to the, the latest one, which was in uh, the end of January, I think it was the 25th or, or 26th. So the Federal Reserve has three levers that they're going to use, and one is they're going to stop the uh, $120 billion a month a bond buying operation, and uh, that has been gradually reducing uh, the bond buying for several months now, and such that the 
last bond buy of approximately $20 billion. That'll happen towards uh, the start of uh, March. So that'll be the end of that. And that operation was pouring $120 billion into the economy. And uh, that was being poured through the big bank, the big banks. So uh, the velocity of that particular money could be in question. Um, and then the next thing is that uh, uh, the, uh, the start of the next lever is start to increase the federal funds rate. Federal funds rate now stands at zero to one quarter, one quarter of one percent, and uh, they're going to change that at the next federal open market committee meeting in uh, March 15th and 16th, the Ides of March. So economists are not in agreement, but uh, it appears that the majority are thinking that the uh, one quarter percent interest rates will increase each. Uh, federal Open Market Committee meeting for the rest of the year. So each each Federal Open Market Committee meeting, they'll bump it up another one quarter of a percent so that by the end of the year, maybe even more. So by the end of the year, the the, uh, the uh, Federal Reserve interest rate will be uh, at uh, one and a quarter to one and a half percent. So, and then we'll uh, probably do the same thing uh, next year uh, to get the uh, federal funds rate up to, uh, I think, around 2.5%. So that's the second level. So the first level, the first lever, the break level, is uh, they're going to stop the bond buying, which has been pouring money into the economy. And that will be over in March. Then in March 15th and 16th, They'll start telling us what they're going to do in terms of interest rate increases, and that's going to s- slow the economy down. And then uh, that was the, they're going to start rolling off the bonds from the uh, Federal Reserve uh, portfolio or balance sheet. They got something over, I don't know, $8.6 trillion, and that's the number I recall. And up until now, these... Uh, when a bond matures, uh, the Federal Reserve rolls it over into a, a new bond. And uh, but in the uh, in the January meeting of the Fed, uh, they talked about cashing out these bonds as they mature and returning the money to the U.S. Treasury. So that's going to suck money out of the economy. So the the Federal Reserve hasn't really defined when the roll off. Of the balance sheet will start, and just how much uh, how much uh, bonds will be cashed out uh, each month. So basically, what you're seeing is that the concerns about the Federal Reserve, how fast it will tighten the the credit market, and uh, uh, how fast the rates will increase, and the bond roll off, have been weighing on the stock and bond markets because they. with these three levers, these three brake levers, you, know, you could cause a recession if you're not careful. And the issue there is that whenever the Fed does something, it takes several months to uh, uh, to really take effect for people to see the effect of it. So what happens is that uh, uh, they're looking at the, the, the general idea is we're going to slow the economy down. Uh, not shut it down, not cause a recession, but we're going to slow it down so that we get a better balance between demand and supply. And what we're seeing in terms of the supply side is that the the uh, supply problem uh, will start to be solved, uh, let's say maybe after the uh, June or July, after the middle of the year. So you'll have an automatic solving of the, of the supply chain disruptions and at the same time you're slowing the economy down and reducing the uh, demand so hopefully they'll end up with a with a optimum solution where you uh, you've got the supply and demand in equilibrium uh, you've got the uh, product showing up there's no more hoarding there's no more price gouging. Uh, 
maybe even they'll get the, uh, the microchip uh, problem solved because that's been a, a huge problem to the automotive industry. So, uh, it, but uh, everybody's waiting uh, for that March meeting to see a defined plan. I know, tell us what the rates are going to be and tell us what you're going to roll it off. And I think once it, once they see that, hopefully, hopefully once they'll see that, uh, people see that, then you'll see uh, the market start to be realistic and not be as fearful as they are right now. So, you know, to me, uh, you know, we're looking at the big picture and we're looking at uh, uh, what uh, the big forces are in the in the big economy, the macro economy. Uh, but most of the, most most important to us is the you know, it's important because this affects our investments, and our investments are an integral part of our financial plan. But uh, our financial plan is the most important part. You know, we speak about. <clears throat> You know, raising the family, having a family, raising a family, um, getting you know, getting from you know, you're in the point where you're talking about getting married to the point where you're retiring. Uh, you know, the, the whole situation has changed. In other words, let's say in 1960, uh, 70% of the households were married couples with children. Today, uh, that's less than 25% of the households. In uh, the 60s, uh, 10% of the households had only one person. Today, it's more like 30% of the households consist of one person. In 1980, it cost uh, $80,000 to raise a uh, youngster to age 18. Today, the estimates are somewhere north of uh, $300,000. All these changes are basically adding more and more responsibility onto our shoulders. Um, the government isn't going to help us. Our, our leaders have you can you, <laughs> our leaders have been making promises since the, since the uh, 250 years ago, and uh, they made promises in the past, and now we see that they're they promise more than they can provide. That's that's, that's the essence of it. You know, the, the national debt now stands at 30 trillion dollars, and. Uh, uh, the government is, is basically uh, overextended, and uh, and then basically we're going to have to live with the results of it. So we're responsible for our families and their well-being, and we have to look ahead, and we have to plan a future for them. And that future includes homes and cars and education and, and a secure retirement for you and your spouse. And uh, you have to identify your financial goals and uh, just lay them out on a piece of paper. It takes more than a page to identify your your goals. You've got too many goals there. Uh, each goal has a dollar amount, and each goal has a schedule. And even though you can't, you don't know the the numbers to uh, you know even two significant figures. At least you've got a general idea of what the uh, what you can afford in the way of a house, uh, what you can afford in terms of education, and uh, what's going to the cost of living is going to be uh, to raise this family, and uh, uh, what your retirement is, what retirement nest egg you're going to need. And uh, so you sit down and you talk about the down payment and the, and the house and, and how much the cars, how much, when will you need it, uh, where will the savings come from, uh, the same thing with regard to retirement. Uh, how much? When? Uh, how are we going to get that money? And it basically uh, boils down to uh, the secret is to realize that you have to manage your income. You know, when the money comes in, you have to allocate the monies for the necessities, the food, the rent, or the uh, mortgage, or the utilities, and for the luxuries like uh, vacations and dining out and uh uh, holidays and stuff like that, and also for savings. So uh, uh, payments uh, to buy a car or to buy a house, that goes in your, 
used to be put it in a jar somewhere, but it's put it on a piece of paper somewhere and do it. And uh, something for the kids' education, something for your retirement. Uh, it's not a just. It's not enough to just spend the money as it comes in the, in the door and charge it when you run out of money. The secret is to realize that even though we make a lot of money, that we have to save a lot of money and make that money grow for us to meet our goals. So uh, this is Jim McAlee. Uh you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. I'll repeat that. It's 1-888-281-1110. You can give us a call and uh, stand by, and uh, uh, we have a word from our sponsor here. Okay. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again? 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. You're a fallen star. You're the getaway. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call. We have that toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Let's talk about what the uh, the big uh, news this week, and that was that the inflation is now up to 7.5%. So uh, it affects everything. It affects our food, our gasoline. Every time we turn around, uh, the prices are going up, and uh, uh, people are taking it uh, in stride. Uh, you know, they're not happy about it, and they're uh, wondering what can be done to get this thing back in shape again. Because you know, uh, inflation—the long-term inflation number—is. Three percent, and that's a number that goes for fifty years. But ever since the uh, the housing crisis in two thousand and eight, my inflation's been rolling along at about uh, I think about one and one point eight percent, maybe even lower because they were trying to get it up to two percent and they couldn't get it up to two percent. Now we're up to seven and a half percent. So uh, the U.S. Department of Labor they reported in their Consumer Price Index for uh, January, you know, that uh, um, the uh, Consumer Price Index increased to 7.5% in January, and uh, that's over a 12-month period. And then it increased uh, uh, six-tenths of 1% in the month of January from December. So short-term, one-month basis, it went up uh, a little over half of one percent, and uh, that's that's a little bit of an improvement uh, because if I take a look at the <clears throat> the short term, the monthly uh, change in um, the uh, cost of living, uh, which was basically six six tenths of one percent in January, and also six tenths of one percent in December. And the previous month, it was eight-tenths of 1%. And in October, the one-month increase was almost 1%. It was 0.9, nine-tenths of 
So what you're saying is that the short term is uh, seems to be peaking out, but it's the long term, the 12 month thing that keeps on going and up and up and up. And we're probably going to see it go up even more because included in this uh, CPI calculation, and we'll go through those in a minute, that uh, the housing is part of that. Housing or rent is, you know, is, is part of that. And it's a big part. It's something like uh, one-third of the basket is the housing or rent, and, and that's going up. So no matter if everything else goes down, the, the consumer price index is going to go up and just because of the uh, housing and the rent. So um, what you're seeing is that uh, uh, if the prices are going up in terms of uh, where are they going up. And basically, if we take a look at the numbers, uh, uh, food uh, is 13% of the basket, 13.4% of the basket. And the food has gone up 7% over the last 12 months. And uh, they classify it as uh, food at home or food uh, away from home. And the food at home has gone up uh, uh, 7%, 7.4% over the last 12 months. And it's gone up 1% in the last month. And what you see is that cereals and bakery and stuff like that uh, well, let's go to the big one. The big one is the meat and poultry and poultry and eggs. That's gone up 12.2%. And probably if you're looking at individual, uh, the priciest parts has gone up much more than that. Uh, but uh, cereals have gone up 6.8% over the last year. And uh, fruit and vegetables have gone up 5.6%. But then when you take a look at, well, that's over the last 12 months. What's happened over the last uh, month? Well, uh, cereals have gone up 1.8% in the last month. Uh, the meat and poultry, that had gone up before, so it didn't go up. It only went up three-tenths of a percent. The dairy went up 1.1%. So uh, the, it seems like the bargain might be in... And the food away from home, because that's only gone up 6.4% over the last 12 months and 7 tenths of 1% for January itself. And then you take a look at the the real big ones, and that's the energy. And the energy is basically 7.3% of the entire basket, uh, the 100%. So uh, uh, the fuel oil... And over the last 12 months, has gone up 46.5%. And in the month of January, it went up 9.5%. I can't believe these numbers. And then if you take a look at uh, gasoline, uh, gasoline has gone up 40% in the last 12 months. And it's gone down, uh, according to this, it's gone down 8 tenths of, of a percent in January. But I think that'll change when they get to February numbers because the, the February the gasoline prices are up there at you know three dollars and thirty cents a gallon. So uh, electricity has gone up almost eleven percent. Natural gas has gone up twenty four percent over the last twelve months. So you, you, if you feel squeezed, you know why you're getting squeezed here. Uh, the uh, over the January. From January, from December to January, uh, electricity went up 4.2%, and natural gas went up uh, uh, half a percent. And then when you take a look at uh, other things, the hard goods, uh, apparel, uh, well, let's not worry about apparel, that only went up 5%. Uh, new vehicles over the last 12 months, if you can get one, went up 12.2%. And I think the, uh, from what I'm seeing, uh, they've gone up much more than that because, uh, you know, with the chip problem, the car companies are putting their chips into the most valuable or the most profitable machines, and those are generally the big trucks and the uh, 
big SUVs. So uh, the other one is used vehicles, which have gone up 40.5%, 40% over the last year. In some cases, uh, people's used car is worth more than the brand new car if you could get it. And uh, so uh, what you're seeing is that services, you know, we've been talking a lot of this stuff has been about uh, goods. The services have gone up uh, 4% in the last year and uh, only 4% on a monthly basis, 4 cents is 1% on a monthly basis. But the services are 57% of the basket. So, and part of the services is shelter. The shelter is 33% of the CPI basket and it's gone up 4.4% over the last year. And only three tenths of a percent in in uh, January, but that doesn't really, you know, that number is going to go up and up and up for several months now because uh, the prices of housing have gone up something like uh, I know they've gone up at least fifteen percent in the Cleveland area. Nationally, they've gone up something like twenty uh, percent in the last year, and uh, that hasn't really been truly uh, reflected in this report yet. And then you've got uh, stuff like uh, transportation services, which are a fairly small part of the basket, only uh, less than 6%. They've gone up 5.6% in the last year and 1% in uh, January. Airline fares went up uh, about 5% over the last uh, year. And 2.3 percent in the la- in January, and of course January was uh, you know the Christmas time frame, and people were traveling. People that uh, didn't want to travel all year suddenly figured, oh, we got to visit the the kids and the grandkids, or the kids and the grandkids had to had to go visit mom and pop. So there was a lot of travel. I know I went out to Denver and. Uh, the airlines were full, and the airports were full, and, and the restaurants were full. So uh, a lot of activity around the Christmas time. So what we're seeing is that you can't get away from it. It's happening, and it's happening in uh, the big numbers are basically uh, fuel and uh, energy. You know, the natural gas up 20, 24%, gasoline up uh, uh, 40% over the last year. Eating oil, eating oil, <laughs> went up nine and a half percent in one month. I can't believe that one. Uh, and uh, of course, the food going up. Uh, so it, it's something we're going to endure until uh, uh, the Federal Reserve uh, can solve this problem. And solving this particular problem uh, with the rate increases is uh, it's going to take a while. In other words, I've seen estimates that uh, uh, they can hopefully get this seven percent or seven and a half, seven and a half percent down uh, to four percent by the end of the year. And there's a lot of questions about uh, 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 how they do that and whether they can do that without harming the economy. Right now, I said before. We've got a good economy, and it's uh, uh, it's, it's a testimony to what uh, trillions and trillions of dollars of uh, stimulus will do. And uh, the people are feeling it. You know, we we look at the uh, University of Michigan Consumer Survey, and that we look at that to give us some insight into uh, consumers' intentions in terms of buying significant. Uh, uh, making significant purchases. And what it shows is that the consumers are really, uh, you know, they're a punk. Uh, it shows us for uh, February uh, that uh, it's 60, the consumer sentiment, uh, index of consumer sentiment stands at 61.7. Well, in January, the previous month, it stood at 67.2, and uh, 
February a year ago, it was 76.8. So, and if you take a look at the two components of that index, one's the current economic condition, you know, words, how are you doing today? And then there's another one that's called the uh, expectations, which what do you think is coming in the future? Well, uh, from January to February, it's gone, uh, present conditions have gone from 72% to 68%, and uh, future expectations have gone from 64 to 57 so I'll give you some idea of, of what uh, Richard Curtin is the chief economist for this survey. He puts together a, a, uh, a couple paragraphs there that talk about what the findings are. And I'll quote him. Uh, Sentiment continued its downward descent, reaching its worst level in a decade, uh, falling a stunning 8.2% from last month and 19.7% from uh, last February. The recent declines have been driven by weakening personal financial prospects, largely due to rising inflation, less confidence in government's economic policies, and the least favorable long-term economic outlook in a decade. Importantly, the entire February decline was among households with incomes of $100,000 or more. Their sentiment index fell by 16.1% from last month and 27.5% from last year. The impact of higher inflation on personal finances was spontaneously cited by one-third of all consumers with nearly half of all consumers expecting declines in their inflation-adjusted incomes during the year ahead. In addition, fewer households cited rising net household wealth since the pandemic low in May of 2020, largely due to the falling likelihood of stock price increases in 2022. He continues on and says, the recent decline has meant that the sentiment index now signals the onset of a sustained downturn in consumer spending. I haven't seen that, but uh, that's what he says. The depth of the slump, however, is subject to several caveats that have not uh, been present in prior downturns. The impact of unspent uh, stimulus funds, the partisan distortions of expectations, and the pandemic disruptions of spending and work patterns. Households have amassed substantial savings and reserve funds from the stimulus programs, as well as due to the more limited consumption choices, uh, especially services, but that's your travel and restaurants and stuff like that. And uh, he continues on, there may be a lessened need uh, for additional precautionary savings and a greater desire to engage in discretionary spending. So, in, in in my summary, the end result looks like uh, expect the expectations are probably the worst that they've been since 2011 uh, from this survey, and the buying attitudes as far as vehicles and homes and large household uh, durables uh, deteriorated. So that's not good news. And ex- expected the other thing is expected changes in prices. Uh, people estimated that over the next 12 months, inflation would be uh, 5%, and over the next five years to 10 years, it would be 3.1%. So people are, okay, they're 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 uh, uh, expecting things, and uh, their expectations are they're just they're just they're in a funk in terms of. Uh, uh, maybe it's the whole thing. Maybe it's uh, uh, the working conditions and the uh, turmoil and the uh, uh, constant bombardment with bad news. I don't know what it is. So it's not good for the um, the um, buying economy, though. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one 888 
281-3110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, uh, Jim Magaly. You know, we're talking about uh, the big picture, the little picture, the uh, <laughs> and the big picture uh, looks uh, well. It, it looks like we're waiting for the Federal Reserve to uh, tell us what the plan is. And uh, uh, my my impression of it is that it 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 will probably. Uh, not be as bad as anticipated because, uh, you know, the Federal Reserve realizes the amount of money that's been spent in getting this economy uh, up to snuff, and uh, they're not about to snuff it out. So I expect that uh, they'll be fairly, uh, uh, you know, fairly understanding and uh, how they impose these uh, uh, interest rates and uh, what they do with their bond uh, roll-off. So, uh, Good morning, me, Jim. It's uh, Colleen. Yes. Hello. <laughs> I'm just jumping in here. I'm sorry. We had a caller. Um, Diane had a question. She wants to know, is there a limit to how much I can withdraw from my IRA after I reach retirement age? The answer, the good answer is, no, there's no, there's no limit. You basically look at your, uh, your uh, uh, retirement funds, and uh, let's say they're in a uh, IRA, and uh, you know the only limit that the government really puts on the uh, the IRA distributions is that you know they set it up for your retirement, so they don't want you to take it out too early. So there's a ten percent penalty. Uh, you know, but if you're over 59 and a half, you're getting ready for retirement, you're certainly over 59 and a half. So, uh, you know, that probably doesn't apply to you. And all, you just look at the money and you say, that money is mine. Uh, and uh, you just have to realize that uh, uh, you're going to have to utilize that uh, to grow. And uh, to be able to skim off a certain amount and uh, uh, realize that you're going to pay taxes on it, that'll slow you down. And uh, look at it and say, okay, uh, I'm 65 years old. I'm going to live to be 95. That means I'm going to uh, utilize this, this uh, uh, retirement money for the next 30 years. I want it to grow, but I want to get a little bit out of it. And the usual rule of thumb is 4%. And most of the companies, uh, you know, most of the financial institutions uh, will give mutual funds or brokerage accounts. They'll, they'll give you a hand in that in the sense that uh, they'll tell you how much you're supposed to take out each year, depending upon your age. And they'll also tell you... Uh, well, you tell them how much your money you want withheld for federal taxes, and they'll withheld, withhold that. And then let's say you set aside uh, 20% for federal taxes, so uh, they'll ship it off to the government, and you'll get a tax form, you know, for your tax preparer. And then you got the other 80%. What do you want to do with it? And you know, they'll parcel it out to you uh, monthly or quarterly annually. Uh, there's all sorts of different ways to do it. There's all sorts of systems that are set up to accommodate you. So it, it's it's all your money. And you, <laughs> against, against any good advice, you can take it all out and spend it, but then you got to pay the taxes on it. But uh, uh, that's not, uh, that's not any, no one would, no sane person would, would do something like that. It's money that you have to uh, you have to uh, pay the taxes on it, and you have to make it last and make it grow. So, as well as getting a uh, some monthly payment to, to supplement your uh, 
other investments or to supplement your Social Security or whatever. So, uh, so there's no requirement. The government just wants you to take the money out and pay your taxes on it at a regular basis, and the, the basis the the requirements aren't that difficult. You know, they start basically, hey, once you take out 4% uh, when you're 72 years old, take out 4% and pay the taxes on it. And by the time you're uh, uh, 115, I think it is, <laughs> they will go to 215. They want you to take half of it out each year and pay the taxes on it. So, so, so and by the, you know, you start at 4%, it's, it's 72. And by the time you get up to be uh, 85 years old, it'll be, you know, maybe like 7%. So it doesn't doesn't really, you know, jump up there and hurt you in any way, shape, or form. So I hope I, I, hope I answered your question, Diane. If I didn't, just give us a call next week. And uh, uh, this is uh, Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back. This is a Super Bowl weekend, and uh, we can be bombarded by news about the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm rooting for the Bengals. Not that I know anything about them, but they're from Ohio. And uh, uh, let me me have you think about it, a quiz, okay? You don't have to really answer this thing. Come on, answer it. Name the five wealthiest people in the world. Uh, can you name the five Heisman Trophy winners? Can you name the last five winners of the Miss America contest? Can you name the last five Academy Award winners for Best Actor? Uh, how, how would you do with all those questions? Well, the point is that none of us would ever remember the headlines of yesterday. These are not second-rate achievers here. They are the best in their field, but the applause dies, the awards tarnished, the achievements are forgotten, the accolades and certificates are buried with their owners. But let's take another quiz. How would you do on this one? What are your, what were the three teachers that aided your journey through school? Name the three friends who helped you through difficult times. Name five people who taught you something worthwhile. Well, you do remember those people because these people made a difference in your life and they weren't the most credentialed people, but they were the people who cared for you. And you remember those as the caring people and you'll never forget them. And don't forget them on Valentine's Day. And until we meet again, until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Slow. May God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Four years ago. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.